Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Maura Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, we want to take a minute to talk about a revolutionary idea that our friends shared with us in February that has completely changed our lives. For those of you who know us well or have been listening to us for a while, you know how much we love to travel. Imagine having a VIP four to five star travel experience at two to three star prices. Imagine getting paid to travel. Well, all of these things have now become our reality and we can't not share it with our listeners. Now that we know what we know, we will never pay full price on travel ever again. If you're interested in joining us and millions of other people who have been traveling the world and living their dreams, just email us at hello at fatfueled.family for more info. Welcome to the Fat Fueled Family Podcast. I'm your host, joined by the, the person who we celebrated on Sunday, the mother the mother of all mothers. The mother of all mothers. <laughs> uh, my lovely wife and amazing mother. We're reminded of it every single day by all of the amazing videos of our kids that we just both melt when we watch them. We just saw a really oh, good thank one. Thank you. How good was that? The one Which one? Just... The Dean one? Yeah. Oh, so cute. So cute. <laughs> he was, uh, he, he our loves... kids are so lucky for real. Like, I can't, I can't just like, I want to see a video of myself. Like, I got to go find a VHS and hope it's like not destroyed and try to convert it at Walgreens and I know. Go, go like on like a serious mission to try to get a video of myself. And, 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 <laughs> and there weren't a lot of videos when they were five or three or anything no. like that. Yeah. I mean, and Dean and Desmond, like Dean the uh, today or yesterday, I watched this video several times. He loves to take off his clothes and he's <laughs> been doing that since he was like two or three. And, um, I just started filming him, obviously not his whole body, but his, his body. And I'm just like, buddy, you're naked. There's people, literally there were people coming over, remember? Yeah, yeah. He he took his clothes off for the people that were coming. Yeah, because like to him, he doesn't, he doesn't know, you know, kids are so innocent. They're just like, why not? It's fine. He's like, I want to show them my butt. My butt. And I'm like, but buddy, that's a private part. You can't show them. And he was like, like, literally like. Confused. Very confused. He's like, I don't understand. What's the big deal? (laughs) He's so freaking cute, man. Oh, Oh, I love our kids. Let me tell you guys, you guys have been hearing us because we record, um, and we're not fake at all. So you guys know that we've we've been struggling a lot. But not to say that <clears throat> the struggle is over, but there's several things between the main one being our decision to to be more proactive and take more action um, and, and do things that will bring value to us and, and everyone around us. But then also just some of the stuff like like things are opening back up and you know, other people that are like-minded, you know, all of our friends that, you know, we, we kind of knew they were on the same page. They're speaking up as well. And I just think it's really good to have these conversations. You know, we, we need to, we need to be able to, you don't have to debate, you don't have to do anything like that, but you should be able to entertain different ideas and come up with your own. Because if you're just spitting like verbatim, you know, what you're hearing, it doesn't, there's no synthesis there. It's like what my friend said, it's, it's parroting. And I don't think that's safe. And I don't think that's 
how we come to truth. We have to entertain everything. So I'm getting off my, my soapbox because, you know, we got a really cool guest today. Um, our guest this week is Tony Nicolosopoulos. Did I say it right? Yes. It's- All right. Born in San Antonio and raised in Dallas, Texas, he spent almost a decade working across the country as a landman in oil, gas, and wind energy, eventually finding his niche, building and reviewing chain of title for land acquisition projects, projects, building maps, and doing preliminary project due diligence. Unfortunately, by the end of 2011, it was becoming evident that his mother had already begun to move into the early stages of Alzheimer's and dementia. At 37, after much discussion with his wife, he left his career to become his mother's full-time caregiver. After nearly six months of following standard of care and dietary guidelines set forth by his mother's doctors and dietitians, she was only getting sicker and fatter. Using a strict ketogenic diet, within a year and a half, they shaved 150 pounds and nine medications off of his mother. She remained on a strict ketogenic diet the end of 2017 when she started a carnivore diet. I had the honor of hearing Tony's story firsthand two years ago at KetoCon, and it was one of those rare occasions where someone managed to get my eyes to bleed. Like I said, <laughs> uh, we can't wait to share his story with you all. Welcome to the show, brother. How's it going, man? Good. All things considered, we're doing good. Yeah, man. You were just telling me right now that because your mom's so healthy, you're actually uh, being denied care because they got to prioritize. Well, wow. it, it's not so much denied that they just they're not allocating resources for healthy people. Right. And, yeah. right. and that's kind of a good thing. Yeah. When you think about it. Right. Yeah. You know that. So she's healthy. Um, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I, I, I can't be upset about that. You know, right. yeah. we, um, we moved out of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex to Wichita Falls, Texas. So you're going from a population in just Dallas, not the suburbs, just Dallas of one and a half million people down to an entire county. The whole county of Wichita County here in Texas is 138,000 people. And wow. I like it. Yeah. I like so, it. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. Very it different is, from Miami Dade, where we're from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Well, I, I, um, the last gig I was working uh, with Wind Energy, I was actually working for Florida Power and Light, their energy generation division next year at Energy. So uh, I spent a lot of time in Florida. And yeah, that's a, that's a densely populated area. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's great that mom is, is so healthy and just the transition from Dallas to here, you know, normally you move an Alzheimer's patient, they'll, they'll tank, they'll, um, you'll just see them just, just slide straight down. Um, and in fact, mom, we had the opposite response from her. She actually, um, kind of blossomed once we got out here there's less noise there's less clutter um the the people are genuinely uh more opened and kind of everybody's family yeah so uh instead of tanking she blossomed in a fabulous way um we couldn't have asked for anything better and getting her out in this community is so much easier than it was where we were in dallas we're so glad to hear that yeah so important for her to you know, stress really can take a toll. So if we're not happy somewhere and, and, and it's just more stressful to live somewhere, that can definitely take a toll, which is, you know, that's why we left Miami. You know, it was just, you know, you can't you can't even blame the people there for being no, rude. Not at all. We all turn rude just... when we go there. It's like there's the stress, the vibe. So 
man, I totally get it. Well, I can't wait to, you know, dig in more to mom's story. I know we're going to get all into that and, you know, our audience is going to just love it. But we always lead off with the question, uh, what is the most critical problem that you're currently trying to solve right now? Um, Trying to find a way to articulate um, just how wrong the Alzheimer's Association is. I have sat in too many um, Alzheimer's meetings with, with, you know, where they have the, the community come in and they'll have speakers up there and they'll, they'll stand up there and tell a, an audience of obese 65 year olds that the ketogenic diet is just a fad. Oh my and, gosh. Man. And I just, uh, I just want to rage. So of course that's trying to find an inroad uh, against that static that they have, they have authority by default and it's hard to get past them. And I, I have yet to figure out a way to articulate it in a manner where I'm just not, you know, showing up with a pitchfork and a, and a torch. <laughs> well, when you, you, you've been going to a lot of these like conventions and meetings to educate yourself and stuff. Do you ever, are you ever given like a, a platform to, to share your story or, or anything like that? Um, well, actually, last year uh, I managed to uh, I, I I talked to Aaron from AD Keto. Aaron does oh, keto. I love Aaron. And, yes. and and that's kind of where I started to open up because if you're doing this with somebody with Alzheimer's right now, um, it is a slippery slope to talk about what we do with mom. Wow. Um, we wow. catch a lot of static from people who don't understand what we do. Um. And that's kind of one of those things. Um, I, I guess the best way to explain it is if you're a carnivore and your children are, you know, vegans see you and they're just like, oh, you're feeding your kids meat. I'm going to call adult protectives or child protective services on you. Oh, yeah. We've we've had adult protective services called on us because they told the adult protective services we were starving my mom. Wow. Because oh nobody had ever known my mom at a healthy weight. And over that year and a half where we actually got her healthy, they thought we were starving her to death. When in fact, I was actually feeding her four meals a day. Wow. And was it just, uh, you did use fasting and intermittent fasting? Um, No, uh, we did not use fasting or intermittent fasting. I I had a real struggle with that at the beginning, um, largely because it's not something mom could voluntarily say that she wanted to do. Yeah. I, I I understood the concepts of it. What I did was I spread out the caloric intake through the course of the day. I might have compressed meals a little bit, but I did not. I didn't willingly withhold food from her. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. I would. I, I I think I would have seen better results had we done proper intermittent fasting on the front end. Um, I think we probably could have slowed the disease to a halt. Um, but we did so much other work that I think that's really what contributed to it. Yeah. I mean, you know, what people don't understand is that when you get to that point where you're starting to see some mild cognitive impairment or, or even more serious, like with your mom is that they are very, very insulin resistant and even their brain is insulin resistant. So everything in their physiology is telling them they need to eat. Um, and, and it's probably telling them they need to eat sugar. So adding some fasting to that would be very difficult. But if you give them some four high fat meals, I mean, I think that's probably going to help with uh, yep. 
Was she was she fighting you at first in the beginning? Um, no, because <laughs> so uh, I am uh, Greek and Mexican. My family is. <laughs> and as such, I wasn't allowed in the kitchen as a kid. So I knew if I ever wanted to survive and I didn't want to live off McDonald's, I had to learn to cook. And I had roommates who were uh, one of them was in a, a sous chef and, and I learned to cook amazingly well. So when we moved back in with my mom to kind of take care of her, she was ecstatic because my wife's family is Italian. She took, cooks traditional Italian. Uh, we just we love to be in the kitchen. We love to cook. So my mom was super excited, as well as the fact that she had spent almost uh, 40 years, almost 30 years as a uh, 30 years, roughly as a, a morbidly obese person who was told not to eat bacon and eggs and steak. And so we, here we are and we're starting to cook bacon and eggs and, you know, mom gets, mom gets bacon and eggs for breakfast. And she's like, Oh, this is my favorite. To this day, she's still excited about bacon and eggs every morning. So am I. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, every morning I, when I make my kids bacon and I still have to fast, I'm just like, oh, this is the worst. Thing ever. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> that smell. No, as, as my wife reminds me constantly, breakfast is an any time of the day meal. So, exactly. Oh, I agree. I always have breakfast. I just have it, you know, in the afternoon. Yep. Yeah. Bacon exactly. is always first. First thing. <laughs> well, look, man, I, I want to before we get back into this, I want to just take a second because we're doing this doer series. We're just wanting to highlight people such as yourself who have taken obstacles and, and really, you know, turned them into into triumphs, you know, into success stories. So can you tell us, like, what have been some of the biggest obstacles you face in your life and how do you re- how did you respond to them? Um. Probably the first, I I grew up, both my parents were educators. I grew up in a neighborhood I shouldn't have. There's no reason on earth we should have been in the neighborhood we were in Dallas because they were just educators and everybody else was like CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Oh, nice. Uh, my mom's elementary school that she was the principal at, you could walk out the front door and there was a cul-de-sac, a road that just kind of went into a dead end. That street is now where George Bush lives. Oh, wow. Uh, So there's no reason I should have been able to grow up in that neighborhood. So I didn't really have a tough childhood, like, you know, really tough things. Um, But one of the earliest things that I dealt with as a kid, though, um, in the early 80s, my my middle brother was diagnosed HIV positive. And at the end of his life, he came to live with us. Ultimately, cancer killed him. Um, cancer of the mouth that progressed north. So he lost, he lost his eyesight. And eventually, you know, as it progresses into the brain, it kills you. He lived with us when I was in middle school. And up until uh, he passed away, uh, the summer of me going into my sophomore year of high school. And that was that was really the first time I um, not really the first time, but the most I had ever done kind of as as a beginning caregiver caring for somebody who was going through that because my parents during the summer were like, okay, we have to go and do summer school so we can have enough money to feed a teenage boy and his older brother who are now, you know, who are in our house. And, and as you guys will know shortly, teenage <laughs> boys will consume everything in sight. They may even Oh no, it gets room. worse? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. gosh. <laughs> my, my middle brother, or uh, my next oldest brother has three boys and uh, the running joke was it was cheaper to send them to, to summer camp all summer long than to let them stay at home and feed them. 
100%. I only have yep. two. And every time people ask me if I'm going to have another one, I'm like, who's going to feed them? Who's yeah. going to feed that this person? First of all, I'm not going to have a girl. I'm going to have a third boy. And then remember, I have Danny here, who's like <laughs> eight people in one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, so that's that uh my brother Scott was the really the first time I was involved with that. Um the first time I came in contact with Alzheimer's, I was much younger. Um yeah. and my my mom's father lived with us for a, a short period of time. Like a lot of like a lot of families, they'll move in and then when the family can't give them the kind of care they need, they'll move them to or they'll transition them to a nursing home, a memory care unit. Yeah. Um and and kind of I was raised by rabid Stoics and I didn't realize that That's until awesome. I got older. Wow. And, and my parents are just like, look, this is life. You can, you can hold on to the things that make you feel bad, or you can hold on to the things that were good, that make you happy, that you learn from. And, and even the bad things, if you take things to learn from them and use them and apply them. So the next time you're confronted with them, you can do better and it's easier. That's, that's how I was raised. Uh, my dad would always say, you know, we learn by doing. And, I love that. Right. Um, that's kind of one of those things that I I understand that completely now. Uh, Ryan Holiday, uh, his his uh, uh, I, the, the concept, the, the obstacle is the way. What yeah. you know, this is this is the path. I you know, it's um, just how it is. I can I can. I could whine about it and I could be poor pitiful me and I could go onto social media. I could vague book and, and get all the sympathy, but it doesn't right. solve my problems. No. And, and that's, I, I need to solve the problem to the best of my ability that, that my mom has a good end. And I think we, within caregiving, um, we tend to look at what makes us as caregivers feel good about what we're seeing when we see our loved one being erased by this disease. Yeah. And we for, we forget that that we have to be the parent now. And this is the weird dynamic of this is that we become yeah. the parents. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, we have to make the hard decisions about what is best for them. And and like you were you were talking about um being hungry and wanting sugar. There's a fascinating thing to that. When mom became fat adapted and I started to feed her some of our signature meals that are kind of her staples now, she would get the same kind of excited that the generic grandma in a nursing home gets when she gets a bowl of ice cream. Wow. After that first bite of, so we do what we call chuck bites and we'll take a chuck roast, cut it thin, slice it up into bites. It tastes like ribeye and I can afford it. Um, So it's small enough and chewable for mom, but she'll take that first fatty bite and it's got a little bit of salt on it and, and she'll take a bite and she'll just light up. Oh, my favorite. And that's the extent of it. And it's, it's a, it's not a battle to get her to eat. It's a battle to get her to slow down while she eats. And and we still battle that. You know, this is, we've finished first quarter of year nine with mom since her diagnosis. That's crazy. Wow. And, and we're still battling to get her to slow down because she's so happy every time she gets that. Again, like the bowl of ice cream. And I think what we're seeing is less, less of a... Um, that myth that, oh, well, the last thing they can taste is is sweets. No, I think what we're seeing is uh, the body ramping up as a hormonal response and, and releasing those endorphins of, hey, I can metabolize this and make fuel out of it. Just a theory. 
Yeah, well, shoot. I mean, if if there's something happening where her her mind, the reward centers, her body's like, oh, this is good, and it's it's translating into like right. those feelings of of like the reward centers are, are are being activated, which makes a ton of sense. Plus, it's got full of of you know flavor. Fat has so much flavor. Yep. So much flavor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you know, let's. Ugh, man, I can relate to you to to what you're talking about on so many levels. My grandmother um, did, you know, unfortunately, you know, have Alzheimer's and she did die uh, with dementia and Alzheimer's. And I didn't know what I know back then. And I get so angry thinking about it, but you know, it won't be wasted. So now I can tell my mom, you know what I mean? Like my mom's got to get her crap together. And now she knows I'm sending her research and all of this stuff is preventable. So mm-hmm. with that being said, you know, can you tell us about your own health journey and just how you came across, you know, ketogenic and carnivore diets and what your results have been? Um, so for myself, I, I dominoed into this um, when I, when we got mom, when, when we became her caregivers, uh, I, I did everything the doctors told me for the first six months. She got sicker and fatter. And at the beginning of this, I, I took meticulous notes. Okay, do this, do this. Give me all the meal plans. We'll prep the meal plans. I weighed and measured everything she put in her mouth for six months. Mom. And we had exactly the opposite results that they told me. And when I went back in and I said, what's wrong? Why is this, why is this happening? And they said, either she's getting food for somewhere else or you're lying. Well, I, I had I had to put a lock on the door to our pantry and child safety locks on the refrigerator to keep mom out of the refrigerator to begin with. So she wasn't getting food anywhere. And I'm doing everything you told me I'm doing and I'm you're telling me I'm lying. And uh, after I left the doctor's office that day, I I went over across the street from where we lived was a Barnes and Nobles bookstore. And I went into the diet section and they've got that massive um bookcase that goes from the floor to the ceiling and you're looking at all these covers and you realize this is real world tangible clickbait that's all this is all of this is just garbage and i was frustrated i was crushed went home um set mom up on her favorite tv show and i sat in our office um, at the house and i plugged into one of my favorite um audiobooks business audiobooks by tim ferris the four-hour work week Great. And and he has it's like a one line little throwaway comment about the often controversial ketogenic diet. And I'm like, well, I just looked at every other magical pill diet out there. Why don't I look at this? And I think the second or third site I landed on was the Charlie Foundation. Wow. And I'm just like, "Uh, that's a neurological disorder. I wonder. And I just started digging deeper and deeper and deeper. And um, first book I ordered was um, The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living from Finney and Bollock. Love that. After, after that, I stumbled into uh, Gary Taubes' work. Um, and I'm, side note here that I'm someday I'm going to get to meet Gary Taubes, and I'm going to tell him how angry I am at him <laughs> because he wrote Good Calories, Bad Calories, and then he wrote Why We Get Fat. <laughs> <laughs> Good calories, bad calories is 25 and a half hours long on audio. <laughs> the, the, like the week or so after I finished that, poof, why we get fat came out on audio. And I'm like, oh, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> but it's, 
it just it it, it shifted the paradigm. It, it just flipped everything. And after that, I couldn't stop. Um, I, I just consumed everything I could get a hold of. Um, keto clarity and cholesterol clarity, which took me down the cholesterol path, which leads to Dave Feldman and, and Ivor Cummings. I've got, the, you know, I've got Ivor's book. Um, from there, we've got Maria Emmerich. And I just kept on consuming all of this information from all of these people that ultimately made mom's life better. And as, as I was doing this, I, my wife was teaching for, for Dallas public schools and I'm, I'm at home all day long. I'm, I'm learning everything I can about the disease and how to manage mom and get her healthy. And I'm not paying attention to myself. And yeah. on my 40th birthday, uh, we were walking out of our favorite restaurant in Dallas. And I caught a side profile of myself uh, in the bar mirror. And I was like, I turned into what I didn't want to be. Um, I got home, stepped on a scale and I was 312 pounds. And I'm like, I know how to do this. I know how to fix this. I can't, I can't keep putting off my health, um, to take care of mom. Uh, and my wife that, uh, just that summer, um, getting ready for school and she's going buying new clothes, you know, uh, work clothes, dress clothes for, for teaching. And you know, the feeling that when your wife cries, it crushes you and you want to make the world stop and right all the wrongs in the world that make her feel that way. Yep. And I could hear Mel in the dressing room crying because she had never had to buy clothes that size before. Uh -huh. And, and I'm like, I got to do something about this. Yeah. So we did, we started to eat like mom and I shaved off 75 pounds. Wow. Mel shaved off 35 pounds and it was, it was beneficial for us. It, it, it really worked. I, you know, I didn't have the time necessarily to go to the gym and do the things that I wanted to. Um, we would sneak out of the house early in the morning because we're both early risers, go over to a, the planet fitness near us and, and just get on a treadmill and, and just, work the treadmill, just walk and get moving again to, to start shaving the weight off. And when I got to the two thirties, uh, as I started to break into the two thirties, caregiver fatigue finally caught up with me oh. and I went down with pneumonia and spent a week in the hospital. Wow. And, wow. um, at the same time period and, and kind of everything kind of multiplies, uh, at the same time period, we're in the process of selling my mom's house. Um, because we had made an agreement with ourselves um, when she no longer recognizes us or the house, then we will consider that a time that we're free and we'll pack up and leave Dallas. Right. And, and we just randomly landed on Wichita Falls because we, we work out of the house, so we don't have to be anywhere specifically. Right. And uh, Wichita Falls has all the requirements we wanted. We wanted a university. Um, it has a military base. So when mom passes, uh, finally passes on, um, they can facilitate her remains to the national cemetery in Dallas where she'll be buried with my father. So that was a big, that's a big right. thing also yeah. for me as well. Um, and we wanted a specific size. Um, we didn't want in two, 300,000 people. This is the perfect size community for us. Um, it just, it just works out great. We have just enough 
big name commercial restaurants and businesses here, but just enough mom and pop that it keeps everything just grounded. And it keeps us out of trouble that way as well. I love that, man. And I love that. I mean, you shared the fact that here you were helping your mother lose 150 pounds. And of course, like it happens with a lot of us, especially when we got someone else to take care of, you didn't have time to take care of yourself, but you guys had that aha moment and you just, all you did was you duplicated what you did with mom. Mm -hmm. And here you are. I mean, I, I absolutely love that. Um, I just now, now we got to really spend some time talking about your mom's story. So we'd, you know, we'd love for you to show your mom's, share your mom's health journey. What type of lifestyle did she live before? You know, what were the warning signs and then share all about the diagnosis and the the diagnosis and the treatments, you know, from beginning to now, this is the part that I think people really benefit from. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's, there's two lives before I should say for mom. There's the first life before me and before she married my dad. Um, so my mom was born in in the 30s. Um, and, and let me caveat this also. My, my mom was born in the 30s. My dad was born in the 20s. So I'm way last child. There's almost a 30-year spread between my oldest brother and I. <sighs> so huge spread. Um, I'm, I'm the, the, the kind of the uh, funny story. So mom gets pregnant. They go, we're living in San Antonio or they're living in San Antonio. She goes, and we're talking the seventies. So she goes up to the OBGYN. My dad's downstairs in the waiting room with all the other dudes. And mom comes back, sits down and she hands dad the paperwork says, I'm pregnant. What do, what did we do? And my, my dad without missing beat kind of looks at it and goes, well, I think we've already done it. And, and that just kind of, you know, they're like, okay, cool. We're going to have a kid. Uh, my mom was about to turn 40. My dad was already in his 50s. And her life before me, I'm my mom's only child. I'm my dad's third marriage. Um, so fifth child, third marriage. Um, but my mom in the 60s, early mid 60s, was super active. Uh, her first husband, she and her first husband, um, they canoed throughout Sault Ste. Marie um, camping and it, camping in the sixties is not like camping today. There's no super light tents. There's no titanium pots and pans. You got to have some strength and you've got to be physically active to do it. And they spent, I think two and a half weeks, three weeks doing that three or four times. I mean, they just, they loved being outdoors and being active. Um, my dad, who is also a part of this story, because my dad passed away with Alzheimer's, uh, with, uh, you know, kind of under the dementia umbrella oh. as well, um, in 2007, after almost eight years of, of him going through that. Um, and I, we think dad was more on the lines of CTE, um, chronic traumatic um, encephaloph- encephalopathy, yep. um, mm-hmm. because he was a... a he was a full contact guy, World War II veteran. My dad, if you ever can, if you ever see it, the original Alamo Bowl has a poster from Hardin Simmons University. My dad played in the original Alamo Bowl. Wow, um, that is so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they also won and beat uh Denver University, not University of Denver, but Denver University at the time. We're talking 1947. Wow. So, but, but that kind of gives you an idea. My dad was a football coach in high school for high school kids. He was, 
he was a full contact guy. And my mom was also physically active um, until their careers um, kind of flourished. You know, that, that kind of the, the double-edged sword of being successful, you're, you're, you wind up being your own worst enemy. And they just, they worked so hard. And we're talking back in the days before computer did, computers did everything. So they're, as elementary school administrators, or my dad was middle school at the time, uh, administrators, they were handwriting schedules for an entire school, balancing classes and, and things. And they were working nonstop. And they were still active. But as we know, you can't, you can't outrun or out-exercise a bad diet. Yep. And in the late 70s, early 80s, they started taking all of the diet advice from their doctors. And, you know, hey, you need to cut the fat out of your diet. You need to start using vegetable oils. Oh, here's this stuff. You know, this, I, w- I, I can't believe it's not butter, parquet, <sighs> country crock. You need to start using that. These things are better for you than real butter. It's full of fat and you'll die of a heart attack. So they start Terrible. doing that. And, and at the same time, you know, I'm starting to go to school. Uh, 1979, I'm a kindergartner. And it's, it's one of those things. Or 1980, I'm a kindergartner. And they're, they're teaching us, hey, you need to have a little bit of meat, a lot of, a lot of carbohydrates, plenty of vegetables mixed with plenty of fruit. Here, here's some oranges. and <laughs> And it's, it's just, that's what they did. And they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I have a picture of when my mom retired. I want to say it was my mom's retirement. Um, or it was definitely at the end of the year party with her staff and faculty where my mom was in excess of 300 pounds in that image. Wow. Um, and she's wow. only five, three. Oh man. So, you know, my mom and my dad used to joke and my dad wasn't much skinnier. He was uh, a little short round brown dude. I mean, his <laughs> forearms were massive. His forearms were the size of my calves. And I, I just, he was physically strong, but he was just a Sherman tank. <laughs> and, and they, they're from two separate parts of the country. Genetically familiarly, they're, they're completely different. Um, even, even nationality wise, they're completely different. So how could they both end the same way? And, and with mom, you know, she did all the, the acceptable dieting that, that a lot of teachers and educators do where it's like, oh, we're all on Weight Watchers this year. And they're, they're counting points or what was it? Uh, was it Weight Watchers or was it? Yeah, um, Weight Watchers was points, right? You, you had, yeah, right. it was points. But mm-hmm. somebody else had a card system and you got cards and it was wow. like playing Uno with food. And it's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that sounds very oh. complicated. Oh, it was. And it was a mess. And and I remember twice having uh, dietitians over to our house that the doctors had said, we're going to send these dietitians over to your house. They're going to sit down and explain to you how you're going to eat from now on. And it's it's like the Amway present presentation. They get to the house, they've got the the binder, it folds over backwards, and they have cards that they just flip over, and they it, it's almost insulting the way they describe food to you. Like, okay, this is a vegetable. Oh, I get that, wow. that that there's a lot of people who are the lowest common denominator, and you have to 
build something for that. Yeah. But I remember sitting there because we did everything as a family. So I'm like looking at this going, okay, I like vegetables. I can do lots of vegetables, but I like cheeseburgers. Why can't I have red meat? This doesn't make, this isn't fair. Oh, I can have, I can have all the boneless, skinless chicken breasts that I want to eat, but I can't put anything on them that makes them taste better. Right. Right. Why would I want to eat that? And that happened probably both of those times were probably a decade apart with two different doctors and the results were the same. Mom and dad failed miserably. They were hungry and cranky all the time. And I'm not talking like just like the month of adaptation. They tried to stick it out for six months, almost a year. And this was, this was back in a day and age when it seems like a long time ago now that schools actually had cooks that actually cooked real meals. <laughs> you could get real vegetables. Like you could pick the vegetables that you wanted and you got real meat and, and <laughs> everything didn't come out of a package and was just reheated. It was a real meal. And there were no, there was no Chick-fil-A or pizza hut in the school. Like Friday was pizza day. Like we all knew Friday's pizza day. Nice. Thursday was burrito day, but you always got real vegetables. You could choose real milk or skim milk. Um, you know, so they were getting real food at lunch. They weren't getting fake food, um, but they still failed miserably. There were no chips in the house. Um, chips only existed during football season. You could only watch them during a football game. That was the rule of the house. Okay. Um, and, and even then we just didn't eat a whole lot of them, but then again, we're, we're in Texas. So we tend to judge a Mexican restaurant by how good its salsa and chips are. And, and my parents were no different than that. And, and it was one of those things that their food wasn't a lot of cake and candy. I didn't see cake and candy until much, much later on after they were already retired that I start seeing cake and candy a lot. Um, but I, I just didn't understand why they were so fat and they were out, like worked in the yard, went on walks uh, when they were, Light enough, they had bicycles and they'd go on bike rides every once in a while. Um, but as as they got fatter, that happened less and less. Of course. Um, um, and they, it's not like they sat at, his, at a desk. One of the hardest things in either of their schools, the, the their secretaries made them carry walkie-talkies with them because they were always out moving around the school, in the classrooms, with the teachers, working you know, side by side, always up, always moving all day, every day. I wish I could have, I wish we had fitness trackers like we do now. I would have loved to have seen what my dad's and my mom's step count was for a day Yeah, because wow. it would have been unbelievable, but they were still quite frankly, morbidly obese. Yeah. And, uh, my dad didn't get any skinnier. His Alzheimer's journey was miserable. And that's part of why when it, it became evident that we could not, we weren't going to dodge that bullet with mom. I, uh, I was like, we're not going to do what we did with mom. I have to figure out how to, or with dad, I have to figure out how to make this better for mom. And uh, like you were saying earlier, you, you, you get frustrated about the things you didn't know. And, and Mel reminds me of this all the time. She's like, you can't be mad about the things you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I like, know. Like, like with my brother, Scott, when he was dying of cancer, when the cancer was killing him, yeah. we're, we're feeding him, him, uh, 
potatoes and carbs because you've got to keep your energy up. And, and dad, being a football guy, you you always carb load because you got to have <laughs> the carbs for energy. Yeah. And and I you know after after looking at the the metabolic approach to cancer, I just I kind of get crushed thinking about we expedited this possibly. Like my brother could have have maybe survived this had things been. And and Mel just goes, no, you can't do that. Um, it's, and, it's hard not to, right? You're tempted yeah. because you get mad because you like you're talking about the fact that your parents they they weren't slobs, they weren't no. sitting at home all day, they were following what they were supposed to, and then you 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 all did what you knew best with your brother. But it's hard not to get angry at the fact that there's people that are put in charge of this and we rely on them for this information. So it's, I, I understand it. And, and, and then the cap, the, the kicker to all of that is you're 110% spot on. And then when you go back to the doctor, the doctor blames you for not doing what they told you to do <laughs> when you're doing what they told you to do. Wow. Yeah. And that's, it's crushing and, and experiencing that firsthand um, just, just makes you seethe with rage and yeah. you know, you can't beat Alzheimer's. Um, this is the hard part. This is where, where we have such a hard time. Uh, I have a hard time talking openly about Alzheimer's and caregiving because everybody is pray for a cure, pray for a cure, pray for a cure. The cure has been in our hands the whole time. The cure is literally prevention. You can't yeah. regrow a leg. I sincerely doubt we can regrow the brain. And and an Alzheimer's patient's brain is literally starving. It is it it's is starving. shrinking. Yeah. And and it can't metabolize enough nutrients if you want to look at it that way or or energy to function um uh Long term, uh, Dr. Georgia Eads talks about how, yep. how, uh, you know, you can function off of about 25, the brain can function off about 25% glucose, I think is what it is. And then we can supplement the rest with ketones. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it helps so much. Um, it, it just, it makes a difference, but the, the powers at B are, are like, nope, we're, we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to call it a fad. We're not going to starve grandma. Anybody who tries to starve grandma is a horrible person. It's like, but, but she's not starving. Like she's eating yeah. an amazing amount of food and she's doing great. Um, There's, yeah. um, I got, okay. So one of the things, especially with this type of, you know, medicine, um, anything that has to do with the brain. So dementia, Alzheimer's, you know, uh, brain injuries, concussions, and then mental health. I don't know if you follow, um, you probably do, but uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, he yes. is the one that, you know, started with the spec scans. Yep. And that's something, I mean, when I heard him say this, I, like, it's what I thought my whole life. It, mm -hmm. it makes no sense. But in his TED talk, he says, you know, psychiatry and all of this type of stuff it's the only time in medicine where we don't look at the actual organ and so he yep. has shown so many scans of you know late term uh alzheimer's and it's 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 honestly depressing because he says yeah. that these these brain scans show that this brain was 
probably deteriorating from the time this person was in their 30s. Yeah. Nobody yeah. knew because virtually nobody looked. And it's yeah. just so important that we seek out these doctors and, you know, try to find doctors because they, they are out there and there's more and more coming out that really, you know, understand this and, and are on our side because, and, you know, being more innovative and, and not, you know, being so dogmatic and just making sure to always continue to learn and expand and, and keep up with what's going on. Because I mean, goodness, like you can live, they've, they've already shown that you can um, reverse these symptoms of dementia and Alzheimer's just with coconut oil. Yeah. So, I mean, it might sound, you know, a lot of people hate that we say stuff like this, but it's the truth. You know, we, we gotta, we gotta just realize like how the brain works and, yep. and, um, that this, this, this has a lot to do with lifestyle and, you know, pretty much everything to do with lifestyle and diet. You know, it's just, yep. I, I, absolutely. I've, I've got all of, uh, Dr. Amen's books. He's amazing. Um, he was one of the early people that I started diving deep into as well. Um, and that paid off. Not so much for mom, because by the time you get the diagnosis, like yeah. you said, you're yeah. you're 20 to 15 to 20 years into the brain yep. starving already. Mm -hmm. However, in 2016, uh, my wife went in for uh, a standard well woman exam. They found something turned out to be a teratoma cyst. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, outside of the uh, ovary, diameter of softball and oblong. Wow. Shape. She goes through day surgery. She comes out a rock star. Mel is phenomenal. She uh, in college in our in college ROTC watching her run was like watching a gazelle run. <laughs> um, I mean, she was just she was phenomenal. Um, has always been athletic. So going into this, she was like the perfect candidate for this. Um, she comes out, uh, goes in, has surgery on Monday. We take her home. Friday morning, she wakes up and she can barely catch her breath. She she develops a pulmonary embolism, lands in her left lung. Oof. Like like most of us who are healthy, we don't know what we're allergic to until we're allergic to it. Right. And uh, one of the things we found out that she had an adverse reaction to was Lovenox, the blood thinner that they gave her. Whoa. She bled out for almost 10 hours in the hospital. Holy wow. smokes. So thanks That's to Dr. Not cool. <laughs> no, not at all. So uh, thanks to Dr. Amen, uh, I was aware of spec scans. They were in the kind of back of my mind. I, I hadn't really thought about that with Mel and a traumatic brain injury. We had to get her through the first six months where she was on a blood thinner. Yeah. You know, we, we see old people, causes of death, uh, aspiration, which develops into pneumonia. And you, anytime you see pneumonia, you can uh, attribute that normally to um, aspiration. If you look at the time frame in which they die and it says pneumonia and it's not the middle of flu season, I'm going to throw out that it's probably they, they were breathing in their food because they were they don't really work with them in, in nursing, uh, or homes one-on-one -on -one. It, and it's really a tricky situation to work with somebody, um, eating. It's just, it's, it's tough. Um, yep. so that's a lot of where that comes from, but the, another risk of, of this is a fall risk. And here I've got Mel who is otherwise perfectly healthy, except for the pulmonary embolism. And, she uh she just popped her head in the door and did the whole like supergirl move um, <laughs> but 
She's otherwise healthy, <laughs> but she's on a blood thinner. And that's the only medication she's on. And she's a wreck. Like walking down our hallway and all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, her world turns into Doctor Strange and the walls start to shift like oh Inception. Gosh, wow. Now, like imagine, imagine putting grandma on that with six other medications Jeez. that she can't communicate to you how she's feeling. Goodness. Oh my gosh. And, and, and this is where we're at. Um, so I, I'm having a conversation back and forth with a friend of mine who's a vet and she goes, Hey, have you thought about a spec scan? Here's an article to read. Think about it. And it triggered a thought. And as I'm reading the thought or reading the article, and I'm having these, these, you know, memories come back of Dr. Amon's work. There's a, a, a number in there that, that kind of pops out to me that this, this large percentage of, of veterans who are coming back that we're seeing PTSD um, symptoms and signs with when they they're they do MRIs, they do MRAs. We did all of that with Mel. They all came back perfect. Like there's nothing. They don't see anything on the MRI. They don't see any blockages on the MRA. They don't know what's going on, but she's diminished. After she was off the blood thinner, she is diminished and we can see it. There's just, she'll be talking. And then all of a sudden there's this, just this gap in her memory of a skill or uh, a memory in her lifetime that is just gone. It doesn't wow. exist anymore. And we're, we're trying to figure it out. And the doctors are like, here, here's some thyroid medication and some Adderall. This will fix it. <laughs> and it's wow. like, no, there's more to this. And in this article, my friend sent me, it's, it's talking about how when they take these veterans that, that have clean MRIs and clean MRAs and a, a clean bill of health, quote unquote, <laughs> um, and they put them through a spec scan, they're finding that they have traumatic brain injuries. Yeah. Wow. And um, we, we found a company that had a location in, in the Metroplex, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And uh, we did all the pre-screening and everything. They said, your wife is a perfect candidate. We get in there and she's got a traumatic brain injury. Wow. And, and wow. We, we can't dodge it. And, and as I'm sitting there processing this, Mel's looking at me like, what's this mean? Like break it down Sesame Street for me, and and I'm like, okay, the the statistical odds of you developing early onset dementia, anything under the umbrella of dementia, just went up. It's it's double digits now. Um, and and it, the particular parts of her brain that we can see on the scan are frontal temporal and the hippocampus. So she is in a constant state of fight or flight and her frontal cortex, where a lot of her memories are, looks like the surface of the moon almost. Wow, so, dude, that's, oh. so the, the ramifications for our diet just, in, just went through the roof. The, the ramifications for maintaining healthy physical activities just to maybe dodge vascular dementia. Um, you know, these are the things that we, we have to take into account and, and look at now and, and everything. And this is the thing that, again, raised by Stoics, <laughs> take the worst things that you've experienced, make them positive, learn from them, be better. Everything we learned from dad made mom better. Everything we've learned from mom is going to make Mel better. Amen. And, and, you know, and I have to look at my health as well. And I go, Okay, I ate the same diet as my parents for 40 years. Um, 
I remember tearing off the first skin tag at 17, pulling a rucksack off. And it, it's just my, my shirt, my BDU jacket snagged just in the right place. And it tore that skin tag off my collarbone. So I've had wow. insulin issues since 17 that I know of. Wow. So for me also, what I've learned from mom, it's, it, you know, imagine, imagine the giant dominoes where they fall in like everything in every direction that's perfect. That's the life that, that we have now with all this information, just one leads to the next, to the next, to the next. Mm -hmm. And, and with mom, again, Dr. Amen, we, we were not able to, to do the spec scan with mom largely because when they did the MRIs with mom, they looked at the MRIs. They're like, okay, we, we know we've had a mild stroke. We can, we can see that when we look at her eyes, one, one pupils dilated, the other one's still functioning normally. So we know she's had a, a mild stroke, at least one. We could see it on the MRIs. Um, at the time she, she could barely fit into the tube wow. for, the, yeah. for the MRI. Um, and, and we kind of made the call at the time. Do we want to keep subjecting mom to the, to the, anxiety of of going into the doctor's office and push through a tube over yeah. and over again yeah so so we opted out of that and i i kind of regretted it it, it would have given us a good baseline but even with that baseline we couldn't have gone back and, and and scaled from there yeah um so we we measure everything as we go uh to the best of our abilities um Oh wow, there's just so much. Uh, okay, so we'll <laughs> we'll start from the beginning with mom. Um, I I am a firm believer that health and nutrition is the foundation you build caregiving for. Uh, you build that house on uh, on a foundation as solid as health and nutrition. Um, that that has to be paramount. And we're not talking about putting grandma on a rowing machine or, or on a <laughs> treadmill, um, but just moving. They can still move. the The hard part is they don't want to get out of the house because it's they know it's a safe space, so they want to um, stay there. Okay, great. There are things we can do in the house. I can bring in a pedal bike, you know, where she could sit on on her favorite recliner and watch TV and pedal for thirty minutes, and I'll sit next to her and I'll pedal too, and and that works phenomenal. And it just it keeps the bar moving. But after that you know, it's kind of like, what's next? Well, we, we ran with the baseline every, every time we do anything with mom, we go in and we run what we call numbers. Uh, it's the same thing when you go into the hot, into your doctor's appointment, they take your temperature, your, your blood pressure, your oxygen, your pulse. We do that every time we, we work with mom. Um, and then we started doing uh, something when we moved out here from Dallas was we started to record the weather as well. Interesting. Which, which sounds weird. <laughs> and, and I, I, if I hadn't experienced it, I wouldn't have, have started doing it. So when we, uh, what is it? 50 ish percent of all, um, uh, people who need care with, uh, any form of care, whether it's Alzheimer's dementia or, uh, another ailment as they get older, they live and stay within their own home. Uh, about 30% live with family caregivers, and then the rest are spread up between nursing homes, long-term group homes, hospice, or hospitals. But that that kind of 30% um, bandwidth, when 
when we see them drop, that move from their home to their child's home, which is usually what that is, is is usually not in the same community where they're from. Okay. And when we moved out of Dallas, large metropolitan area, huge, uh, the whole Metroplex consumes like 9,000 square miles. It's massive. Wow. To, to Wichita Falls with, you know, 138,000 people total in the county, the dynamics of, of the weather actually change here. So we know big metropolitan areas are act as heat sinks. And you wind up with almost a static kind of weather. It, it doesn't shift as, as drastically as you are when you're out in the county, out away from those areas. Uh, we could see it when it comes, something moves into like Dallas, Fort Worth, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, Austin, San Antonio, Houston. You could watch a, a, a massive weather pattern split in half and go around it and then come back together wow. once it goes through, goes around them. So when we got out here, my mom started to do this crazy thing where when the weather would shift, she would start to grind her teeth so loud I could hear it outside of her bedroom with the door closed. Wow. At night. While she slept, okay. While she slept. And it it was just freaking me out. Well, it trickled into daytime when she was awake and, and we couldn't figure it out. So we started looking out, you know, She's in her room. Um, we have a TV room, a massive room for her, playroom for kids, essentially. And, and she's watching her TV, and she can see out the windows, and she's grinding her teeth and looking out the window, and there's a storm outside. And it just kind of light bulb went off. Wow. So, so we started tracking humidity and uh, pressure and indoor temperature and indoor humidity. And I wound up having to – I wound up picking up just a, a little uh, window air conditioning unit that has a dry mode on it where it'll just suck all the humidity out of the bedroom. Uh, her grinding of the, her teeth just disappeared. That is crazy, dude. Um, and, and we know that we're relatively certain that pressure will affect people with migraines. So the rationale here is, okay, so... What if it's a combination of pressure and humidity, and when it hits that kind of right kind of access point, it triggers an anxiety response? We see that with little kids as they're growing up. They don't know how to compensate for weather. We see it with animals, um, you know, the thunder shirts for dogs that they don't know how to compensate for, for weather changes. Um, I, it just kind of makes sense. As we grow up, we learn to kind of in the back of our mind, kind of subconsciously, just kind of account for weather. Yeah, And then as your brain starts to deteriorate, we might be losing that, you know, we might lose that skill. That makes um, sense, dude. Yeah. And it's just something, if I hadn't have seen it, I wouldn't have believed it. Um, and then you try and talk to a doctor about it and they're just like, yeah, I don't think so. And I'm like, I have two years worth of data. I can show you. Nothing. Um, nothing. They don't, you know. Their their solution is hey let's throw some uh, let's throw a um, a narcotic addict uh, narcotic addict to make it go away. I'm like why don't, why, man. why don't I just spend 150 bucks put a window unit in the in the in her window and suck the humidity out of the room? Yeah, and and mom isn't medicated out of her mind. 
And especially when we want her to be as lucid as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so right now we're in the middle of a, um, a storefront last night it rained. We're kind of in the middle of it and we'll get some more rain later on. So, uh, today we got up, ran through our morning routine. Mom's a little on edge, but we keep everything. We, we manipulate the environment in her space as much as we can. Um, she's doing okay. We do lunch. And then instead of deciding to keep her up after lunch, we're like, why don't we go ahead? We'll put mom down for a nap. She'll take a two to three hour long nap. And then we'll just add that on to the end of the day. The days are getting longer. We can do that during summer. So mom will be up till 10 o'clock tonight. Okay. And she'll be a rock star most of that time, hopefully, uh, depending on how severe that storm is. And if the storm's really bad, then uh, we'll close the curtains in her room. Um, throw on White Christmas, which is her favorite movie. We're the reason White Christmas stayed on Netflix for like two years straight without ever coming off. <laughs> all the plays, all the plays were like, uh, okay, we gotta uh, keep this. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's, uh, Mel says it's like having a three-nager. Um, <laughs> there's aspects of her that are like a three-year-old. Like she has, a White Christmas is her Moana or Frozen. <laughs> and and then there's other times where she gets a little bit of an attitude like a teenager. Oh, that's funny. And so we've dubbed it as a three nature, but but she's she's fully ambulatory. Like she can she can walk and move on her own. You've got to prompt her to put her clothes on, you know, how to do things in particular order. But you when you tell her, put your pants on, she knows to put them on as pants, not a t-shirt. Dude, that's shirt. nine years in? Nine years. What I mean, what 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 is if someone's makes it that long with Alzheimer's? I mean, what are we usually expecting? They're probably not going to know who you are. They're not going to be in your well, house. So mom, mom was having to dress dad down towards the end. We're talking. Mm-hmm. Mom followed standard of care. Um, dad was medicated out of his mind. Um, he was basically just sitting in a chair, um, watching you know, ESPN nonstop, um, but couldn't make heads or tails out of any of it anymore, was almost non-communicative at the end. Um, Dad fell and broke his femur in the kitchen um, because he wouldn't use his cane. And I'm the cane Nazi. I'm also the food Nazi, but I'm also the cane (laughs) Nazi. And and mom, uh, conditioned response, mom always has her cane. You can't get away from the gatopraxia that comes along with dementia. Uh, they all suffer from it, and it's one of the telltale signs that dementia is present. Um, and so she's got a bit of a stupor and a shuffle, but she can move. Um, when she goes to the bathroom, we have to be there with her, not so much to take care of her and catch her, but to prompt her to do the right things. She'll get confused on the order sometimes. Like she'll flush the toilet, sit down, and forget to pull her pants down. Okay, so oh, we can oh we can compensate for that. Yeah, um, but when she does that, she uh, we have handlebars on the toilet, the safety bars, so she's a little bit confused about their presence sometimes and misaligns. This is the crazy part. She'll get her, and this gets to the real detailed stuff that some folks get kind of uh, sketchy about, but it's it's necessary to understand. <laughs> of, course, of course, she'll get her pants about halfway down. She'll see kind of in her periphery that she's not lined up and she will move laterally, holding onto her pants that are halfway down. 
she's she's consciously moving laterally to line herself up to use the toilet. We're in year nine of Alzheimer's. That's not supposed to be. That's here. a big deal. Yeah, and and this kind of gets to one of the things that when when you tell people this. They'll regurgitate the same thing all the doctors tell you. Well, if you've met one Alzheimer's patient, you've met one Alzheimer's patient. Well, I grew up with a, an odd, an extremely high number of twins in my life. I don't know how that happened, but there were six or seven sets of identical twins. And I can tell you one thing about all the twins that I know. Every last one of them is an individual and they are not identical. Exactly. And, and, and we're talking about the way the brain works in an individual when you when you start compressing all of the data when you see it um we live in a beautiful time for this and 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 i think the only reason i can do what i'm doing now with mom that i couldn't with dad is because of the democratization of information yes and and the the crowdsourced hive mind that we can access as much as i get angry and frustrated with social media <laughs> It has its benefits. There are caregiver groups on on Facebook that are 150,000 people strong. Wow. And when you start looking at their stories and and there's literally comments out there with thousands of likes and you go, you read the comments like, well, what medications are you on? Are your parents on or your loved one on? Mine is on X, Y, and Z. And there are thousands of comments and thousands of likes and there's only three or four medications so how can you tell me that in, in a, a world with you know how many millions of people are suffering from alzheimer's right now but every time we get to a gatekeeper they tell you no 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 what you're seeing is unique i've dealt with thousands you've only seen one everyone is 110 percent unique but our solutions for this are only within this narrow bandwidth unacceptable and, and that's, that's again, back to why uh, diet and nutrition with, um, you know, and I absorbed everything that I could. Uh, Dr. E, her work, like everything on YouTube, I've absorbed every podcast she's been on. I've absorbed. We love her. Because she is just so phenomenal. And it's, it's her work on both ends of the spectrum with Alzheimer's dementia that she talks about, but also mental illness. Yes. Um, I, her, Dr. Bredesen, Amy Berger, the stuff that Max Lugavere is doing, um, uh, Dr. Mary Newport, those are the key people, Dr. Amen, those yes. are the key people that that really affected how I viewed the disease. Oh, and I can't remember their names because I never keep the book in my hand long enough. I always put it in somebody else's mm -hmm. hand. I've probably, I've probably given away 10 copies of the 36-hour day <laughs> since we started this. It's about caring for someone with Alzheimer's. I think they're on their sixth edition. Wow. But it gives such a, a, a brilliant insight into the mundane things that we don't think about when dealing with, with our loved ones, like, like just how intimidating a bathroom can be. I traveled for work um, for almost a decade. And one of the things you learn when you first start is if you think you're smart, go to your neighbor's house and try and use a shower. <laughs> and, and, and it's it applies in in travel so much because everywhere you get there every hotel you're in that shower is different what a great point yeah. and and every time mom walks into that bathroom it's it's not the same to her and she has to work harder and harder 
to hang on to the skills to adapt. And, and you have to kind of, you have to, you take, you take some losses and you fight for others to other skills to stay. So uh, we have the safety handles on the sink now because mom doesn't know hot from cold. Hmm. So, okay. She's protected from that. We don't use the sink anymore. Um, we go through a mountain of wet wipes. Baby wipes are, are just a godsend with this. Uh, we go through a mountain of baby wipes uh, a, a year, and I, I feel really bad because they're really not reusable. But it, it, there are things you have to do. It's like having a 130-pound a, a th- uh, toddler. Well, yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta also, I mean, people, I mean, I'm sure people understand like there's, again, you're talking about picking your battles. That's yeah, a battle that yeah. you got to pick. And if it's going to bring a lot more efficiency to what you're doing, you know, and you're not being wasteful anywhere else. I mean, it's one of those we, things. Yeah. We try not to be, we try so it's hard, hard in this country. We have so but, much excess, you know, we are well, so and, blessed. And, 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 Moving from diet and nutrition, the reason for that is, as again, as we know, metabolic syndrome. And when we talk about it in the sense of younger people avoiding, I don't think I would love, I would positively love it if Alzheimer's just disappeared tomorrow. If if we could get everybody healthy now where they could avoid Alzheimer's, that would be awesome. But we have an entire two almost three generations worth of people that will still be affected by it. Well, yeah, they're saying by 2050, it's going to be 50%. Yes. Yes. It's 50%. going to be percent. It's going to be redonkulous and it's going to, it's going to crush us. Um, not just financially, but just the emotional burden because not everybody approaches it like I do. Um, Mel has days that are really hard for her and um, she looks at me and she goes, how do you do it? Because I don't know how not to do it. And because I'm not hanging on to everything that's lost, I'm hanging on to everything that I've got. And I'm appreciating how great and easy this moment is because I know the next one's going to be harder. That's and when so I good. get to that next moment, I'm going to appreciate how easy that moment is because I know the next one will be harder. Golly, and, that's good. That's and good. and that's just kind of how I I I I rub some dirt on it and I tough through it. And Mel's probably going to come in here and throw something at me because I hate using that word, that phrase of rub some dirt on it. But that's that's just kind of what I do. And not everybody is built that way. They're not wired that way. And and what that's going to do to families is what bothers me. And and we're going to see this. And I, talking about that that. Uh, number of 50%. I absolutely believe that. In in another generation, we're going to see that. Again, if you look at CTE, oh, that's how, up. How, how many veterans do we have? How many kids do we have playing sports, college athletes? TBI, um, CTE, through the roof. Everything's yes. going through the roof. And, now and, we're just, it's going through the roof because we actually have ways to look at it now. Before, yes. I mean, I think I think before it was it was also not as prevalent, but we also didn't have you know, these, these great, um, resources for diagnosis. And we didn't, we just thought, oh man, this guy became aggressive because he just, he just became aggressive, you know, and, and these people's personalities changed. They used to be happy. No one could pinpoint that. I mean, all of the downstream effects of these injuries 
we're seeing them now and thank God we can fix them. I mean, with this, what you've done, dude, has been unbelievable, man. I really hope people can listen to this and just really see that. I mean, it's, I mean, it is a death sentence. No question about it. It's a death sentence, but I mean, I mean, it's like that story of the kid who's, who's throwing starfish back into the ocean and they're all washed up up yeah. at shore and this guy's walking towards him and he's like how could you do that like why are you doing that there's no way you're gonna get them all and he's like tell that to all the ones i've seen yeah well i helped that yeah. one yeah. Yeah. yeah i made a difference exactly. for that one and tell like yeah. your mom like tell your mom at the end you know when you guys whatever you believe like let's say you believe what we believe and you guys meet each other in heaven and and you see each other and she's gonna be like you gave me an extra 15 20 30 years whatever it was whatever it is you know yeah. Yeah. i mean that's unbelievable, oh, man. I know. Seriously, yeah. it just kills and, me. And and just one more to add on to that, like you're saying, it's all the ones that we could save, all of the vets, all of the law enforcement, all of our first responders who are again living a full contact life. Yes. Um, we're you know, and it's not just the dudes. We tend to think of guys, but but women are living full contact lives also. Yep. Soccer injuries, again, CTE. Concussions, traumatic brain injuries, car accidents. Look at the number of car accidents we have versus the number of deaths we have from car accidents. It's a, it, the teeter totter is imbalanced. But you got to remember that something as light as being tapped from behind that's not a something that devastates the car can lead to a, a, a traumatic brain injury, a concussion. And, and we're seeing that across the board in everybody. The, this doesn't care what where we come from or what color we are, what nationality are. It's it's happening to all of us because we're all the same. Like we're we can we can fudge some of the numbers, but we are bound by the laws of biology, human biology. And and yeah, we're a lot kind of unique, but we're all broken differently. And and this type of broken, if we don't address it when we're young, we might not get to to know being old. And it's it's as simple as like it's basically a, a strict ketogenic diet, right? Just eating the right foods. You didn't really, did you really, did you count calories? Did you do any of that? Any supplements too? I was wondering um, about that. Like so, any type of a supplementation or. We yeah, did like not, adaptogens or ketones or anything. So we did not count calories. I'm the guinea pig in the house. Since I'm the only one who has <laughs> any genetics related to mom, I'm the guinea pig. So whatever mom ate, I did first. Um, we did not count calories, but we focused on, on, well, I guess, sort of, we focused on her fat macros and ratios and tried to make sure she was heavy fat, uh, coconut oil, like a lot of people miscalculated co coconut oil. Once you will only do that once. <laughs> um, then, um, uh, I was at the, f uh, second keto con, uh, which is when I met you and, uh, I met the guys from, um, Oh, uh, they do keto supplements. They do uh, a great MCT oil uh, in pill form. Um, Kiss my keto. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I met them and I started using their C8 uh, MCT oil pills with mom because she could still she she knew what to do with them. And she didn't have a whole lot of medication to take or supplements. Um, we used phosphatidylserine originally on the front end. We were using uh basic kind of uh, neurotropics, ashwagandha, kind of trying to go as, as baseline as possible and keep it simple. Um, what is it? It was alpha brain from on Oh yeah. Great. That yep. was, that was one I loved, uh, combined with their shroom tech. 
Uh, at Great. the time, that's we got used lines that. Mean, and that lines yep. mean has been shown to trigger neurogenesis. So that's great yep. stuff. Man. Um, I, you know, I wish I had known back then about berberine and some of the, uh, the downstream effects for mitochondrial health between those things. Um, we didn't, uh, we didn't, you know, we're talking 2011, 2012, 2013 at the beginning of this and mitochondrial health was not something that was as mainstream as it is now. So uh, unless you were in the, the tight higher end echelon of this kind of community, it wasn't really on, on, on your radar. And I was so overwhelmed at the time that I could only focus on the things that I could kind of focus on. It was in the periphery. Um, but I, I, if I had it to do over again, there was, there would be some things that would change. Um, I did not understand the importance of salt until uh, Dr. DeNicola Antonio's book came out. <laughs> uh, the salt fix, that yep. changed everything. Um, oh, there's another one. Uh, Dr. Wolfson's book, The uh, Paleocardiologist. Nice. Um, that, sh- that is so beneficial. So we put all these Alzheimer's patients or just our elderly in general on all kinds of medications. And, and we'll see them with, with um, art- arterial fibrillation, AFib. And they're like, oh, well, you know, it just happens in old people. There's, there's, a, there's a great line out of Formula 51 with Sam Jackson. And if you know it's Sam Jackson, you kind of know what's coming. But, you know, uh, one of the guys says, you know, it happens. And Sam's like, it doesn't just happen. It takes time. It takes effort. And, and I feel that way about something like AFib. It doesn't just happen. Yep. There has to be a reason. And, and when you look at how they tell, oh, don't eat any salt, zero salt. You, you, you're going to get all the salt you need from all the bad food we're telling you to eat. But they don't actually say that. Yeah, You're not actually metabolizing it properly or using it the way it should be used. And it's, it's bonding to all kinds of things that are just passing right through you. And you're not getting any benefit out of it. Um, with her diet shift, learning about electrolytes out of necessity. We moved to Wichita Falls. We have a hyper um, purified water source, uh, water resource plant. We use recycled water. So it is, it's heavily recycled and heavily purified. So it is stripped of everything. So you can drink all the water you want. You're still not getting anything out of it. Um, unless you salt your food, where is, you know, I'm not going to get enough sodium in steak for her to really supplement her the way she needs. Um, so mom suffered an arterial fibrillation the first six months we were out here. In fact, it was right after I came back from the, the second keto con. Uh, we wound up in the hospital at the end of June. And um, the doctor's like, well, we're going to put her on a beta blocker and one other drug. Uh, that's how we kind of handle this. You cannot put a, a dementia patient on a beta blocker. The, the science is solid. It doesn't help them at all. We saw a personality change overnight, and it didn't go away for almost six months till we convinced him to get her off of it. Wow. Um, and we wound up in, a, in the hospital a second time after that for the same issue. I had a, a younger cardiologist working with us at the time, all, uh, the second time, and he kind of looks at it. He goes, listen, we can put her on a, a, a blood thinner for the rest of her life like we have her on right now. She's not on any medications right now for this. She seems to be happy and doing fine. Mom was ecstatic because she was eating her favorite treat the whole time she was in the hospital. She was getting McDonald's sausage patties and egg rounds. Uh, No buns, just the egg rounds and the sausage patties. 
and McDonald's or Wendy's quarter pound hamburger patties because by then she had gone carnivore and she was already about a year, almost a full year into it at that point. Um, wow. And like I told you when I met you, I blamed you for for us going carnivore and, and mom, <laughs> mom being physically strong still and ambulatory and, and trucking around. So Fridays are kind of her her quote unquote hamburger days, and um, she was loving it. She was in the hospital for three days, four days at that that second time, and they're like, "Yeah, uh, we're just not going to worry about this. We're kind of concerned about." Uh, her ketone levels and her oh, kidneys. And I'm like, well, okay, first of all, mom only has one kidney. And the doc kind of looks at me and he goes, wow. Okay. I take that back. Her kidney numbers are phenomenal for only having one kidney. Yeah. And, and, and he goes, um, but her, you know, we haven't tested, done any of the the big tests, but her glucose levels are so great. I'm not really worried about the the ketones in her blood. I'm like, well, that's great. Cause she's been on a ketogenic diet for, you know, years now. Yes. And he's just like, oh, and it was Dr. Wolfson's book where he talks about arterial fibrillation can be caused by an electrolyte imbalance. And oh, I yeah. had, it was like pulling teeth to get them to, to do an electrolyte test on her. And the doctors didn't even come back in. They sent a nurse in. She goes, Ugh. yeah, uh, her, her electrolytes are out of balance. And I'm like, really? You think? <laughs> so uh, every once in a while, uh, we don't do a whole lot in the way of supplementation for mom. Um, we do uh, a, we we do cranberry extract for her in pill form right now. Uh, it just kind of as a buffer, and it's it's once a day, um, and it'll uh, fortunately eventually it'll just go into her water when she drinks at lunch, um, mm-hmm. and that's mostly kind of to maybe hopefully buffer against a UTI. Gotcha. Um, because again, metabolic syndrome, it just wrecks you. I can, I can, I can heal just about everything with mom, except for her eyes and, and her, her bladder. Um, there's just things you can't fix. Um, and, oh, and I, you know, that's, we do that. Um, we use keto chows, uh, electrolyte su- uh, supplements. Yep. I love those. The They're super droppers. easy. Pardon? The little droppers. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely perfect. I buy the big bottles and then I just have uh, a dropper there handy and it goes into her water every meal. She, so a lot of times you're seeing that uh, Alzheimer's patients don't drink enough liquids or fluids and everybody's like, oh, well, they just don't remember how. No, they're, they're not thirsty because you feed them so much garbage all the time. They're just not thirsty. Um, so we use we kind of applied what we call bar rules. Why do bars have salty snacks on the counter to make you drink more? Oh, that's great. So yeah. mom's meals are salted. So she wants to drink. She, there's enough. Um, she, she's eating chuck bites. So there's enough liquid in there from uh, the fat. We, we cook in beef tallow. Fantastic. Um, we add a little butter for kind of a sweetness sometimes. I don't honestly think she could see it, but it keeps her fat levels up. It's it's already got plenty of fat. And then we salt it. But she doesn't drink anything until she's done. And when she's done, she drinks a 24 to 26 ounce mug of Perfect. electrolytes with less than a teaspoon of lemon juice. Not lemonade, but lemon juice in there, just pure lemon. Um, and what we've seen with that since she's on a blood thinner 
she doesn't bruise nearly as much as when she is off of the lemon. Uh, The vitamin C, she's getting actual real life vitamin C, not the ascorbic acid, but real vitamin C. And it, it seems she heals so unbelievably fast. Yep. There's a bunch of other things that are variables here that work with this as well. I'm a kind of a believer that if you don't get your, again, back to diet and nutrition, if you're, if you're building a house on sand, it doesn't matter how much you supplement or, exactly, or anything, nope. it's still going to fall down. So the, the diet and nutrition help. So when we do use these things and we are in these moments, it, it works the way it's supposed to. It's like CBD oil. Um, for anxiety, I think CBD oil works great. I think a lot of the people we see who are having trouble with CBD oil, the reason they're having trouble with CBD oil is because their diet is just garbage. That's it, dude. That's what it's always about. And and that's what you've, I, I love what you've been able to do with your mom, man, like with the diet. That's that's the main thing that I think people need to take away from this, man. Like like all this other stuff is, it's amazing. And, and probably people, unfortunately, they're probably not going to, be as dialed in as you are, but either way, if they just nail in that diet part, they're going to do well. So I just got to thank you, man. I got to thank you for sharing this with us, brother. And, and let me ask you this, um, just for anyone who's listening and may have, you know, questions like where can people find you online and, you know, where can people, uh, what are some recommendations for groups? If they're caregivers, anything like that, that you want to share now? Um, I am dialing a lot of things back. So the, the best place to find us is on Instagram on low carb WF because we're out of Wichita Falls, low carb WF. Gotcha. And then the other one on Instagram, which I'm going to start pushing more and more information out on is the KDC life. Okay. Uh, if you just look up knuckle dragging caregiver, um, <laughs> that's I love it. yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're working on things kind of in the background and those are the two kind of points that the jump off points. As far as groups go, I have a real hard time recommending caregiving groups, um, largely because they they kind of tend to turn into death cults. Oh, and it's wow. I, I hate to say it, but it's it, the the hierarchy and pecking order is, you know, how traumatic is your mom, and and how far gone is she, and how 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 tough is your life, and that's just not healthy in the long term. the The best thing anybody can do is find and and put together a, a group of people that are our family or not family who are supportive and helpful in a, in a, in a constructive way, not just a reaffirming whatever you think, but a way like, Hey, you're screwing up. Let me help you not screw up. Or can I help you kind of fix this? Um, too often we, we look at support is validate my horrible ideas and that's yeah. not, not constructive in the long term. Um, gotcha. and, and, and I wish, I wish I could say there was, there were groups out there. Um, like the best thing for anybody who's starting in caregiving is read the 36 hour day. Gotcha. Just, just hands down. Um, that is, that is the best place to understand where you're going to be start to finish. That's man. Can't wow. ask for more than that, brother. Dude, I, I, I thank you so much so for, coming for you coming on, on and man. taking the time. Yeah. It was great to catch up with you, man. Oh, I'm glad I could, glad I could help. Thank you, brother. Take care. Thanks, man. Bye.
Hey guys, we're going to take a minute right now to tell you about one of our amazing sponsors, Santa Cruz Medicinals. Santa Cruz Medicinals is a company that we've been using for years now. They make high potency, high quality, lab tested CBD formulas at an affordable price. They offer ketogenic, paleo, gluten-free, sugar-free, lab tested formulas. You all may remember when we did our cannabis series last year. One of the things we learned with CBD is that the research is pretty clear on dosage. 5 to 20 grams per kilogram is what you should be taking per day. And most of the quote-unquote CBD you see online and on Amazon is severely underdosed. Most of these products are offering dosages that are so low, you have to down a bottle a day. (laughs) That's why we love Santa Cruz Medicinals, because they offer highly dosed, potent CBD with clean ingredients, and they have several cool products, but we want to share our favorites with you. So what are your favorites, my love? Um, All of them? (laughs) No, really. I have yet to try a product from them that I don't love. However, I will talk about some of my ride-or-die products. So during my cycle, I get horrible migraines, guys. And my go-to is definitely their peppermint tincture or the 10,000 milligrams to get a potent anti-inflammatory dose. Uh, Peppermint has been shown in studies to relieve migraine pain. But let's talk about the pain salve real quick because this I use for almost everything. And everyone in this household agrees we cannot live without it. So the CBD pain salve, it has clean ingredients that you can trust, but it also has peppermint, which really, really helps. And so what I like to do is I'll rub some on my temples and it really provides instant relief for me when I have bad headaches. But of course, I'll use it as well for any muscle pain that I have. Well, I'm personally a huge fan of the 10,000 milligram bottles of CBD in MCT oil. I put it in my coffee and then again at night, I'll, I'll put some more in like some broth or whatever drink I'm drinking, hot tea uh, to get an adequate dose for the day. I also love the pain salve, especially when I'm extra sore. We usually take turns massaging it onto each other and it always does the job. You guys also have to try the new CBD infused hemp and collagen protein. If you're a fan of horchata, you will love this one. Oh, that one is so good, guys. We just tried it and it is so good. Um, So yeah, if you're interested, check them out. You can find them at scmedicinals.com. And of course, don't forget to use the code fatfieldmom at checkout to save 15% on your order and get free shipping, guys. 